Drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this Tuesday, December the 6th, 2022, in the feast day of St. Nicholas. Oh, St. Nicholas, praise be to God. There's more to the St. Nicholas's life than, than just being sort of the root story of Santa Claus. There's the smackdown of, uh, of Arius at Nicaea. That was always a good time, praise be to God. There's also the miraculous way in which he became the bishop in Myra. Maybe at some point during today's show, I'll share that with you if Adrian doesn't do it first. But nonetheless, we have a great program lined up for you. The Legacy of Zhang Zemin is going to be part of our discussion with Stephen Mosher, author of The Bully of Asia. Uh, Zhang Zemin is a guy with a legacy that's not good. He persecuted many, many. The corruption is bad. His grandfather was a traitor to to China and the Japanese occupation. He himself cooperated with the KGB. So there's a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about that at 35 past the hour. Hey, did you know some 18 Democrat attorneys generals are all trying to force Catholic schools in uh, North Carolina to accept homosexual teachers that are living and cohabitating with other homosexuals? Did you know that that's a thing? That's a thing. We're going to be talking about that at 15 past the hour. Hector Molina is going to be on the top of the next hour to get us ready for Sunday by going over the gospel, Matthew 11 today. Lots of stories in the news. And if you're my vintage, then you know Christy Alley. Well, she passed away, apparently, from her battle uh, with cancer, 71 years old. Uh, She was famous for Cheers. She was uh, also in a couple of movies as well. But uh, let's pray for the repose of Christy Alley. As Arizona certified their midterm elections... Well, there's also lots of calls for investigations because it turns out that Katie Hobbs, who is now the uh, the governor of Arizona, is has contacted Twitter during the campaign and asked for certain people with different opinions to be suppressed. So we'll see what what comes of that. Former Vice President of Eagle Health Alliance, Dr. Andrew Huff, who worked closely with the Wuhan lab, has come out with a tell-all book. He's saying, yes, of course, COVID was a manufactured virus that was leaked on the world. Okay, interesting. And did you know mass attendance is down some 30% across the United States since 2019? Gee, I wonder why. All of that coming up and more. Good morning to Rudy Carlos. Good morning and uh, happy uh, St. Nicholas Feast Day to you, Joe. Just imagine Imelda yeah. Marcos's shoes, 3,000 of them Ooh, just out there with man. oranges and dowry and gold and all kinds of stuff. Imagine that. Didn't they get back in power, the Marcos family? Did they? I think I they don't did. Know. Maybe our Filipino friends that. can uh, let us know. I don't know. Maybe. Could you, <laughs> could you imagine? Did uh, you get something? I didn't. Maybe. I, I don't did. know. Is there a way, a tracker or something? Mm-hmm. He hasn't gotten to my house yet. No. I'm wearing my shoes right now. Uh, just keep waiting. In there. Just keep waiting. Um, Possibly he'll okay. show up. Yeah. All right. Uh, you know what he's less known for? I mean, he's most known for the whole, you know, uh, giving gold to the guy with the three daughters thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. That's great and all. But a lot of people don't know that when he became bishop, one of the things he did was he destroyed pagan temples in his diocese. So based. Like, physically destroyed them. Unbelievably based. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of based, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is. Praise be to God on this Feast of St. Nicholas. It's a good day to uh, 
be in the studio. So happy St. Nicholas Day to everybody. Yeah, praise be to God. What did you get for your kids? Uh, what did I get for my kids? Well, my, I mean, the um, extension, you are an extension of your wife. Yes, right? exactly. So yeah. whatever your mm-hmm. wife got him, mm-hmm. you also got him. Yeah. Uh, what do you mean? Yeah, I don't understand. You mean St. Nicholas? But, yeah. What did St. Nicholas get? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> huh? It's okay. Yeah. Well, I understand. What? Maybe we got a third St. Nicholas costume oh. in the collection. Because mm. we, we have a collection going. Hey, by the way, <laughs> can, I, can I borrow that costume? Uh, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. My son was I wearing it, it last night. <laughs> Praise be to God. All right. We have a lot to get to today. Uh, St. Nicholas is on the agenda, but so is a lot more. Do us a favor and share us with a friend. We would be very grateful to you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Tuesday, December 6th, and here are your headlines this morning. Catholic News Agency reports, Canadian veteran offered assisted suicide after asking for a wheelchair help. For wheelchair help, rather. She was asking for a ramp. A former Paralympian who served in the Canadian military contacted Veterans Affairs Canada in 2019 to ask for a home wheelchair lift to help her maneuver her home more easily. She received instead a letter in response saying, if you're so desperate, madam, we can offer you MAID, which is Medical Assisted uh, Assistance in Dying, Christine Gother said. Assisted suicide in Canada was federally legalized in 2016, according to the government's annual report on the program. In 2021, 10,064 people died as a result, which accounted for more than 3% of deaths in the North American country. The Epic Times reports judge orders pro-life flight attendant to be rehired at Southwest Airlines. A Texas federal judge has ordered Southwest Airlines to reinstate Charlene Carter, uh, the flight attendant who made headlines after the jury ruled that she was unlawfully fired for expressing pro-life views and for criticizing her union. She says, quote, or rather the, the judge says, quote, the jury also awarded front or future pay, but Carter would rather have her job back, the judge wrote. The court reinstates Carter to her former position. If the court opted for front pay over reinstatement, the court would be complete or rather would be complicit in Southwest Airlines' unlawful scheme. Reinstatement is appropriate. The Washington Times reports uh, White House slams Musk's Twitter files on Hunter Biden as distraction from hate speech on the platform. We see this as an interesting coincidence that Twitter would so haphazardly push this distraction that's full of old news. If you think about it, she said, that's uh, Jean-Pierre, the uh, White House press secretary. And at the same time, Twitter is facing a very real and very serious question about the rising volume of anger, hate and anti-Semitism on their platform and how they're letting it happen. And the Daily Wire reports Department of Justice sought personal information from Tara Reid's Twitter account after she accused Joe Biden of sexual assault. The subpoena was only recently revealed by the Daily Caller, which obtained emails and documents relating to the incident, showing that the DOJ asked Twitter to testify in front of a grand jury in December 16, 2020, to provide all subscriber information for Reid's accounts. The information was requested of two accounts belonging to Reid. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Nicholas. And yes, some people think 
arguing about small details is unimportant. Yet Arius was slapped in the face for adding an eye to Homo Usia. Interesting. St. Nicholas is said to have been born in Patria in Lycia, a province of Asia Minor in the 4th century, and was of wealthy parents. He would give gifts to those who are called the embarrassed poor, that is, persons of a good social level who cannot beg on the streets for help but lack financial means to live. St. Nicholas used to find different ways to favor such impoverished persons, leaving gifts anonymously via a window, chimney, or various other means. A characteristic case is that of the father with three daughters who could not provide them with their dowries and arrange decent marriages for them. In despair, the man was thinking that their only recourse was to lead lives of shame. On three different occasions, St. Nicholas threw bags of gold into his house, thus enabling him to provide each daughter with a dowry so she could marry well. He was named Bishop of Mira and became famous for his holiness, charity, and miracles. He was imprisoned for his faith during the persecution under Diocletian. He was present at the Council of Nicaea, at which he denounced Arianism. He died in Myrna in 350 and 1087. Some of his relics were transferred to Berea, Italy, and many miracles were worked through his intercession, which was the cause of extraordinary popularity in the West. From this and his many other charitable works came the general idea that he would come from heaven on Christmas Eve and give presents to well-behaved children. It was a stimulus for children to be Catholic, to be good, and at the same time, it nourished their innocence in the sense of the marvelous. The enemies of the church, however, could not support the popular fame of St. Nicholas among children and invented another figure to divert their attention. In France, because it's always France, the secret forces created the figure of Pierre Noël. The title Pierre, meaning father, is a very common title given to old men who have a kind of patriarchal role among the simple people. The word Noel is an exclamation of joy similar to Alleluia, normally reserved for the festivals of Christmas. Thus, they invented the figure of Pierre Noel, or Father Christmas, who would do precisely the same as St. Nicholas, who was no longer a reflection of Catholic charity and sanctity. The Protestants who hated the cult of the saints substituted the legend of St. Nicholas, or St. Klaus, with the legend of a Nordic magician. Then they mixed many characteristics of the magician, the sleigh, the reindeer, etc., together with the life of St. Nicholas to deviate the admiration of the children from a religious figure to a fantasy. St. Nicholas of Myrna, pray for us. Wow, a transfer. Is that uh, Latin for Venetian sailors stole the bones and hauled them back? Something like that. <laughs> Something like that. St. Nicholas, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. It's always the French. Uh, today's gospel comes to us from Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 9. The Lord Jesus appointed 72 disciples whom he sent ahead of him in Paris to every town and place he intended to visit. He said to them, The harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. Go on your way. Behold, I am sending you like lambs among wolves. Carry no money bag, no sack, no sandals, and greet no one along the way. And to whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this household. If a peaceful person lives there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. 
Stay in the same house and eat and drink what is offered to you, for the laborer deserves his payment. Do not move about from one house to another. Whatever town you enter, they welcome you. Eat what is set before you. Cure the sick in it and say to them, The kingdom of God is at hand for you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Ignatius Catholic Commentary today pointed it out very succinctly. Jesus patterns his missionary effort on Moses, who commissioned 70 elders to be the prophets in Israel, Numbers 11, 24 through 25. The 71 members of the Jewish court, the Sanhedrin, had already modeled itself after this leadership structure of Moses and the 70 elders. At another level, this number alludes to Genesis 10, which describes the origin of the 70 nations of the ancient world, not including Israel. The ministry of the 70 disciples thus anticipates the church's mission to the nations. But it gets more deeper than that if you get into it. Moses, you know, uh, you have Moses, the single figure, then you have his three closest companions to include Aaron and Joshua, and then you also have the 12, then you have the 70, Jesus James and John and Peter, and you've got the 12, and you've got the 70. If you are Caiaphas, the high priest, you are paying very close attention to the structure, and you are like, I cannot take this competition. I must do away with my competition. Kind of like what the Dems are doing with Twitter and all of that. Kind of similar anyway. But anyway, St. Cyril of Alexandria says this, an outline of this ordinance also was set forth in the words of Moses, who at the command of God, God chose out 70, upon whom God poured out his spirit. In the book of Numbers also it was written of the children of Israel that they came to Eliam, which is by interpretation a scent, and there were twelve fountains of water and seventy palm trees. For when we fly to spiritual refreshment, we shall find twelve fountains, namely the holy apostles, from whom we imbibe the knowledge of salvation as from the wellsprings of the Savior and seventy palms, that is, those who were now appointed by Christ. Close quote, St. Cyril of Alexandria. Eusebius said, For in the city of Sodom angels were not without entertainment, but Lot was found worthy to receive them into his house. If then at the coming of the disciples into a city there shall not be found one to receive them, will not that city be worse? Then Sodom, close quote, Eusebius. That's a pretty hardcore statement right there. Golly, you is, if you do not receive those whom the Lord sends, you're worse than Sodom. Let's meditate on that today. Hey, don't go anywhere. What's concerning us is coming up next. Unbelievers often reject religion because it sometimes causes conflict. They'll say, science will fly you to the moon, religion will fly you into buildings. Is this a rational basis for rejecting religion? The answer is no, and here's the reason. First, just because something causes conflict doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. For example, many wars have been fought over land. Does this mean we should do away with the right to private property? I don't think so. Second, the objection doesn't specify which religions cause war. It may belong to the essence of some religions to spread its message by the sword, and these we should reject, but it doesn't belong to all religions. So to the question, should I reject religion because it causes conflict? The answer is no. 
I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, catholic.com. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Stephen Mosier is going to be our guest. We're going to talk about uh, the legacy of Jiang Zemin, who just passed away last week, I think it was. Very interesting character, Jiang Zemin. And uh, his legacy isn't a good one. And we're going to cover that. A lot of what's going on in China today is thanks to that guy. So uh, Stephen Mosier will fill us, fill us in. Please do join us if you can. There are lots of stories in the news that are a great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. Here's a headline I saw out of LifeSite News this morning. It says, Democrat attorneys generals seek to force Catholic schools to hire homosexual teachers. Now, what's interesting about this story is this is not the first time a story like this has come up. We've seen these go all the way to the Supreme Court before. Do religious organizations have the right to have employees on their roles that agree with them? Yes, yes, they do. Well, there's been a constant push in this country from the progressives and from those on the left to force religious institutions to do their bidding, to acquiesce what they believe, and to, uh, and to succumb to the popular opinion of the day. But Jesus Christ is the same in season and out of season. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change, and neither does truth itself, because truth is a person. Truth is the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. John chapter 14 makes that very clear. So, uh, we've seen this before, and I think if this goes to the Supreme Court, by God's grace, we'll see, uh, we'll see the same thing before as we've, what we've seen, which is religious institutions do have the right to decide who it gets to work for them, and whether or not it is safe for those individuals to be preaching something contrary to what they, to what they believe. And this kind of does tie into St. Nicholas in the sense that, uh, we, uh, as Adrian uh, pointed out during the uh, Saint of the Day, St. Nicholas, Bishop of Myra, would not tolerate uh, the heresy of Arius to the point where he, got, where he got, he lost his temper and smacked the guy. Did end up in jail and lost his pallium, but it was all miraculously restored to him, and he was restored to his see as well. Because sometimes we have to stand up for what is, what is right, what is true in society, even if it requires some suffering on our part. But let me get into the story for you a little bit here. It says uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. By the way, what is the story yesterday out of Charlotte? Somebody attacked one of their power grids. Yes, there were widespread uh, power outages because people were were what the they story, were shooting up a power. They were grid. shooting the power grid to well. There's there's some background information there. I don't know if it's a hundred percent true, so I'm not going to say it. But uh, maybe I'll mention it in the after. I was looking for more details but couldn't find them. So, hmm. Anyway, Charlotte, North Carolina. A LifeSite News reports 18 Democrat attorneys general have joined in an amicus brief against a Catholic high school who fired a substitute teacher in a homosexual marriage. 
The brief filed last week argued that the Catholic high school does not have a right uh, to not hire individuals that live a lifestyle incongruent with Catholicism. A federal court ruled in September the, uh, 2021 against the high school, and this case is now on appeal. The liberal attorneys general sided with Lonnie Billard, a homosexual substitute teacher who was let go from his job at Charlotte Catholic High School after marrying his partner. The Democrat attorney general wants the Catholic high school punished for firing Billard, despite him living in open opposition to the teaching of the Catholic Church values, which the Catholic school is bound to uphold. Quote, employees have a right to work free from discrimination, including the right to marry whom they love. Close quote. Connecticut Attorney General William Tong wrote in his news release, going on to say, quote, the First Amendment is not a license for employers to discriminate. The North Carolina District Court got this one right. And the defendants extreme and expansive theories here must be rejected. Close quote. Interesting. Their theories, eh? The article goes on to say, quote, no one should be fired because of who they love. Close quote. Massachusetts Attorney General Maura Healy wrote, we are filing this brief to ensure that our LGBTQ plus workers have equal protections and opportunities in the workplace. But Beckett Law, which represents the high school, explains that religious freedom must protect the hiring and firing decision of religious institutions. The Constitution and federal law protect the right of parents to direct the religious education of their children and the right of religious institutions like the Diocese of Charlotte to select teachers who agree to uphold their religious mission. The legal nonprofit explained these rights have repeatedly been upheld by the Supreme Court, which has emphasized that educating young people in their faith, inculcating its teachings, and training them to live their faith are responsibilities that lie at the very core of the mission of a private religious school, close quote, the group wrote. Religious organizations must be free to choose uh, who carry out their religious mission, Beckett Law noted. This not only protects the fundamental freedoms of parents and religious schools to decide how to pass on their faith, but also protects the proper separation of church and state. The court case comes at a time when Democrats, along with liberal Republicans, are pushing to put a federal right to same-sex marriage into law, despite significant religious liberty concerns. The bill repeals the Defense of Marriage Act of 1996 and requires the federal government and all 50 states to recognize homosexual marriages and other civil marriages between two individuals lawfully performed in any state, potentially including incestuous and underage marriages, LifeSite News previously reported. Does it end there? Does it end there? Why, if you're going to go that far, aren't, aren't you going to go a little further and possibly have uh, polygamy again? Or bestiality or the bizarre stuff like uh, bestiality is pretty bizarre but beyond that more perverse things you know it's possible that this thing could go into any infinite number of degrees and i ultimately believe that's their goal they want to destroy the fundamental fabric of society in the institution of holy matrimony between a man and a woman they want no rules in this regard they want everything to be open to fair play and they will push and fight as hard as they need to. The question becomes, are we willing to push and fight back? Now, we have a good track record at the Supreme Court. But our laws 
uh, are, are based upon natural law and truth. Truth is a person. We've said that at the outset of this commentary. And uh, Jesus Christ is that truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by him. So, natural law, which is authored by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, should never be put off to the side, should never be disconsidered. In all things, truth must take precedent, must have a pride of place in coming to right and correct decisions, conclusions. So when we look at the disordered passions of man, no matter what those disordered passions are, we must not give ourselves over to them. I often use the example of food because why? I'm an overweight guy. So it makes sense to see how food can play a role in the destruction of my soul. I could give myself over to it so much that I could end up in hell forever. Similarly, people who have sexual perversion give themselves over to disordered passions. These things are wrong. It's obvious that these things are wrong. Today, I quoted Eusebius in the Gospel Commentary, who uses the example of Sodom and Gomorrah to talk about the disciples going, being sent out to villages and towns, and if they aren't received well there, Sodom is better off than they are. Like, holy smokes, if you do not receive whom the Lord sends... This is a bad thing. This is Eusebius writing in the, uh, in the 5th century. It's a very serious matter. The church should not acquiesce under any circumstances to the ways of this world in hopes that this world will like them well enough, be friends with them, not, not say mean things to them. The church should stand her ground no matter what and stand on the bedrock of truth itself. Because that is our Lord and Savior. That is our bridegroom. That is why we are here. And it doesn't do any favors to the world by accepting their sins as though they are okay. As they're somehow, you know, everybody's got to messed up a little bit, so we got to meet them where they're at. Our goal is to help everybody get to heaven. And uh, who was I? I was listening to E. Michael Jones yesterday. Rudy Carlos, you f- <laughs> he, he, he inflicted upon me grave punishment by forcing me to watch an E. Michael Jones conversation. I held him at gunpoint. I'm teasing. It was a good conversation. It was very entertaining, actually. <laughs> Nonetheless, uh, you know, I'm listening to E. Michael Jones, and he's talking about, he was arguing with this Muslim lady uh, about why, uh, not only why it, Iran is in such a bad way, but why Muslims don't even understand what Muslims are, are, are teach and what it's really all about, let alone come to right conclusions and come to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Very entertaining conversation. Uh, but the point is, E. Michael Jones has these very, very to-the-point, um, some would say, you know, brisk type of responses, but they're very spot-on. Truth matters. We do not give a ground. We do not give an inch to truth itself. And if the church here acquiesces, it's over. Society is as bad as it is because the church has already become complacent, the members of the church. And he points out how the church is made up of sinners. E. Michael Jones, this is the point I was going to make about E. Michael Jones. He talks about how the church is made up of sinners. That's clear. Duh. That's why we're here, to embrace the sinners. If there were no sinners... If the church was nothing but uh, uh, only purified and perfected saints, then its mission would already be over and accomplished. High five, pat on the back, we did it. 
But that's not going to happen until after the second coming. Until then, it centers all the way. It's broken, jaded, dysfunctional people that we are having to live next to and look in the mirror at. But if we deny truth, then we have given up the whole game. And uh, this is part of the reason why uh, I saw another article this morning that the church is suffering up to 30% drop in mass attendance since 2019. Dear bishops, when you, when you acquiesce to the ways of the world and the fears and anxieties of the world, which is ruled by you know, the, Satan, the father of lies, then of course you can't expect good things. So when the world fears its own shadows and then you close all of your doors, can you expect the faithful to come back to Holy Mass afterwards? No. I think that's, that's an irrational expectation. It's not in keeping with reality. We have to look at the world and say, what does this world really, really need? What it doesn't need is for us, though the body of Christ, to act just like it. We shouldn't just look like the world, act like the world. The sending of the disciples out into the world, they're given very specific commands to take no extra coat, take no extra food, take no money. I mean, don't even greet people. Your mission is so urgent to save souls that you ought not to stop and chit-chat with hellos and greetings. That's the specific command of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let alone go and get afraid just like everybody else on the planet and shutter your doors. 30% drop in mass attendance. The Lord is calling us all to the foot of the cross there to become his disciples, there to be crucified next to him. That requires suffering and determination. Would that we would have that determination. We'll be right back. Stephen Mosher in China is coming up next. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed what happens when people set out to destroy the church? They don't destroy the church, but they manage to wreck everything else. G.K. Chesterton says men who begin to fight the church for the sake of freedom and humanity end up flinging away freedom and humanity if only they may fight the church. The secularists have not managed to destroy divine things, but they have destroyed secular things. Thanks to the war against the church, the world is a mess. We have more disorder, more distress, more discontent than ever before. And that's why we must defend the faith. By defending God's truth, we are defending all truth. By defending the church, we are saving the world. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Planning on shopping online this year for Christmas? Did you know that you can help the Guadalupe Radio Network when you do your Christmas shopping online? All you need to do is shop on Amazon Smile and 0.5% of your purchase goes to the GRN. Just go to AmazonSmile.com and select La Promesa Foundation as your nonprofit of choice. La Promesa is the parent company of Guadalupe Radio. It's that simple to give some extra help to the Guadalupe Radio Network during the holiday season. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired, and now more headlines. The New York Post reports, Feds probing Musk's neural link over animal tests and unnecessary deaths. 
Neuralink is developing a brain implant that it hopes will help paralyzed people walk again and cure other neurological ailments. The federal probe, which has not been previously reported, was opened in, a recent, in recent months by US, the U.S. Department of Agriculture Inspector General at the request of a federal prosecutor. In all, the company has killed about 1,500 animals, including some 280 sheep, pigs, and monkeys, following experiments since 2018. And LifeSite News reports GOP lawmaker organizes Eucharistic procession at Michigan Capitol to re-evangelize the state. He says, quote, This particular Eucharistic procession is first and foremost a reverent act to bring the Blessed Sacrament on our state capitol grounds. Republican Jim DeSanna, who will begin his first term in January, told LifeSite. He continues saying, quote, Our parish also feels it's a sacrament, it's a statement rather, that Jesus is our sovereign king, and our founding fathers never intended for God to be completely separated from every aspect of American society. To be able to pray and to venerate Jesus on the very ground where our laws are passed is what we want to witness on behalf of all Roman Catholics in the state of Michigan. My goal, ultimately, is to build back up the Catholic community of Michigan, DeSanna said. Michigan was, at one time, one of the most Catholic states in America, along with Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, and Ohio. We need to re-evangelize Michigan. We need, to, to, we need people to realize that the atheistic society we have become will eventually decimate our great state. DeSanna will represent the 29th district in Michigan's House of Representatives, which is located just south of Detroit. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Uh, I don't know if you know the story. We're going to be talking about China here in just a minute, but uh, I don't know if you know this story, and I thought it'd be kind of cool to share it with you. How Nicholas became the bishop in Myra. I mean, when we talk about St. Nicholas, we'll often mention the, the saving of the, and the dowry of those three daughters, which the dad was going to, out of desperation, sell them off. And uh, that was, praise be to God, that was great. But here's a cool story you probably have never heard about the incredible Bishop Nicholas. You know, it says, uh, this is, comes from a, 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 one of the hagiographies that's listed over at EW10.com. It says, after the incumbent Bishop of Myra had in a single instant yielded up both his see and his life and had set out on a path to God, a holy desire uh, suffused all the bishops and the most eminent clergy subject to him to discover the one man most worthy to be appointed to that charge. Boy, I miss those days when the diocese sort of picked its successor. <laughs> they had like a prominent role in saying, hey, who gets to be the next guy? We might not like that today, though. I know, but it seems so cool on paper. Anyway, when all of them had assembled in the church, one urged that the matter be entrusted in prayer to the will and wisdom of God. All concurred as warmly as if each had presented the idea himself. Then God, who fulfills the desire of those fearing him and hears their prayers, revealed to one of them who, ha who would lead the church in the future. For in due course, he appeared to him in a holy vision, enjoining to him to go stand at the entrance of the temple there to greet the first man to enter. That man would be the one who was inspired to his action by his own divine spirit. Then the clergy should receive him. His name would be Nicholas and ordain him bishop as the one uh, predestined for the post. 
Don't say that too loudly. We don't want Adrian going off on predestination. But nonetheless, when the holy man had experienced the mysterious vision, he communicated it to the clergy and the synod. While all the rest devoutly prayed, he to whom this great revelation had been vouchsafed went to the stipulated place. At about the hour of matins, our estimable Nicholas, impelled by the Holy Ghost, came to the church. In its vestibule, the man deemed worthy of the vision received him. What do people call you, my son? He earnestly inquired. Nicholas the sinner, he simply and uneffectually answered. I am the servant of your sanctity. As these humble and courteous words uh, of our exemplary man, to be sure, partly because of the name of Nicholas, which had been foretold when it appeared, but partly also because of the extraordinary, unmistakable modesty, for the holy man knew the saying, whom does God look to hear below except the meek and the peaceable? He knew that this was the man whom God was signifying. They made him bishop after that. The whole city rejoiced after that. And this incredible man, Nicholas, did a way more than just, just uh, uh, save these three daughters. He rid his diocese of the paganism that was resplendent there Amen. up until that point. He made great distinctions on the subsist, I mean, homoousia <laughs> argument. Some would, say, uh, some would say stinging distinctions. They said, yeah. is it homoousia or homoousia? <laughs> and the, and the, and the uh, mall Santa was like, wait, what? Wait. What? Uh, so, very, very fascinating story. Uh, praise be to God. But let's, uh, I think Stephen Mosher is joining us right now via telephone. Good morning to you, Stephen. Good morning. Praise be to God. We're grateful for your time today. President of uh, Population Research Institute, also author of Bully of Asia, expert on, uh, on China. And uh, recently, uh, Jiang Zemin passed away, and his legacy is dubious at best. This is a guy who... I think a lot of people who might be younger than me may not be paying much attention to uh, because they just don't watch these things very carefully. But Jiang Zemin, he was a pretty bad guy. What say you, Stephen Mosier? Well, the people who rise to the top of the Chinese Communist Party are, are not going to be benevolent saints. It is a doggy dog, bitter, factional fighting, um, you know, frenzy at the top of the food chain in China. And the people who make it to the top, as uh, Jiang Zemin, uh, did uh, are not nice guys by any means. Uh, he actually replaced a, a the the rare reformer. You know his predecessor was uh, Zhao Zhiyan, and Zhao wanted to talk to the demonstrators on Tiananmen Square in 1989 in May and June. He said, "Let's sit down with them. Let's see if we can't uh, you know get rid of some of the bureaucracy, open up society a little bit." And Deng Xiaoping, another uh, Chinese leader. Uh, who had been in retirement, uh, came out of retirement, mobilized the military, deposed the guy who wanted to talk to the students, uh, and said to the military, let's shed some blood. It doesn't matter if we shed a little blood. And, of course, they shed a lot of blood mm. on Tiananmen Square in Beijing on June 4, 1989. They shed blood in other cities, too, like Chengdu in the interior and Shanghai and Guangzhou. And uh, at the end of the day, they installed, uh, Deng Xiaoping installed Chiang Zemin, who was cut from the same cloth as he was. Uh, his big, uh, his big uh, human rights uh, offense was mobilizing the Chinese Communist Party against a peaceful Buddhist sect called the Falun Gong. And 
And the Falun Gong made the mistake in 1989 of coming and sitting outside the Communist Party headquarters in Beijing. And they weren't doing anything. They weren't holding white uh, pieces of paper. They weren't holding signs. They weren't shouting. They were just sitting on the ground, prayerfully waiting. But there were 10,000 of them. Yeah. And Zhang Zemin said, we, we cannot allow any group like this to organize. The only organized group in China must be the Chinese Communist Party. He set up a special office, and he arrested them by literally the hundreds of thousands. Wow. Wow. Uh, can we go back to his uh, youth? Uh, from what I understand, his grandfather was a traitor to China under the Japanese occupation. And uh, Jiang uh, himself became an asset of the KGB uh, in the CCP. Can you tell us a little bit about his backstory? Well, the, the, uh, the, there's a lot of backbiting and knives in the back and knives up the sleeves in, in Chinese history. Uh, a lot of people are playing both sides against the middle. They, they simply want to be on the winning side. Hmm. And what does that tell you? That tells you that these are men completely without principle. Uh, one of the reasons why the Chinese Communist Party in the late 1940s won the Civil War was because a lot of the nationalist leaders who pledged loyalty to the Republic of China uh, suddenly decided that they were going to uh, switch sides, and they turned over entire armies to the communists, wow. and uh, the uh, the revolution rolled onward. So there was a lot of deceit and double-dealing. If you read, uh, you know, uh, Chinese classics like The Dream of the Red Chamber or The Romance of the Three Kingdoms, uh, All Men Are Brothers, those sorts of things, uh, you'll find this going on uh, again and again uh, throughout history. And remember, the ancient Chinese strategist Sunzi said 500 years before the birth of Christ, all warfare is deception. <laughs> All warfare is deception. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of that going on in, uh, in China, even, even today. People pretending uh, to be a, a good friend of, uh, for example, the current leader, Xi Jinping, who would not hesitate if they thought that the tide was shifting to stab him in the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Mosher, you know, speaking of the, the old guard there, I want to ask you, what sort of life does the does the old guard have in the current governance? Like one interesting development was that uh, Hu Jintao uh, reemerged for Zemin's funeral after sort of being physically removed from an event on camera. Uh, what, what sort of impact do they have on the current governance? Well, here's here's some a bit of intrigue for you. Uh, Hu Jintao had been the president before Xi Jinping took power uh, in late 2012 and 2013. And Xi, and Xi Jinping was a compromised candidate. All the factions said uh, he's modest, you know, he's retiring, he's not a threat to us, so let's put him in, and then we can continue our factional fighting. And his biggest supporter was the previous president, Hu Jintao. And guess what? As soon as uh, Xi Jinping, 10 years later, had removed all of his other uh, political opponents, he turned on Hu Jintao. Hold that thought right there. We're talking with Stephen Mosier about uh, the legacy of Jiang Zemin and all of this intrigue. More is coming up right after this very quick break. Catholic Drive Time, we'll be right back. Uh, first off, I'd just like to say um, I did uh, five years in prison in Texas, and thanks to the Guadalupe Radio Network down there and your ministry, there is a lot of us getting back on track. And especially a big thank you to all your donors who donate to the network and uh, it really helps a lot of us felons find the way and find that uh, the catholic truth and get back on track so really thank you for that the guadalupe radio network radio for your soul 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Do you really believe in a secret catching away of the church called the rapture? The pages of your Bible are empty of that type of talk. So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, solid biblical doctrine is time-tested. This rapture idea got its wheels rolling by John Darby in about 1830. I mean, have you heard of a third coming? You know you haven't. Secondly, God's nature. There's no reasonable premise in Scripture, let alone in moral reasoning, for the results of a rapture scenario such as this. A Christian pilot is yanked, raptured, out of his jet, while scores of the remaining passengers who are not Christians violently crash to their death. Meanwhile, said pilot is basking in the presence of God. This is absurd, and believe me, this is preached day in and day out. Thirdly, bad fruit. The preacher at your church says, Tonight, don't you be left in that pew alone, while that person next to you gets raptured straight up into heaven. That, my friend, is folly with no foundation. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Our guest is Stephen Mosier from the Population Research Institute, uh, host of the bull, our author of The Bully of Asia as well. We're talking about the legacy of Jiang Zemin, who just passed away. Very interesting and complicated, but I would say dark and evil character as well. Uh, welcome back to the show, Mr. Mosier. Now, from what I, I hear there are rumors that the Zemin family is the richest family on the planet. And under his, his authoritarian rule of the CCP in China, uh, Jiang was able to bring in all of this money from the West, which created an opportunity of great corruption, which Xi Jinping has used to his advantage to uh, get rid of his rivals as well. Can you speak to that? Well, it's, it, that would be a tough call because all of the leaders of the Chinese Communist Party uh, are, are fabulously wealthy, and they've gotten wealthy by profiting off the, the blood, sweat, and tears of the Chinese people. And I think if you, you make it to the Central Committee of several hundred, uh, you're probably in the hundreds of millions of dollars already. If you make it to the Politburo, the top couple dozen or so, mm-hmm. uh, then you're over a billion. If you're standing committee in the Politburo, uh, you're several billion. Uh, for example, uh, Wen Jiabao, who was the premier uh, from 2002 to 2012, Premier Wen, uh, who on his official income of about $5,000 a month, left office with a fortune estimated at $2.3 billion. <laughs> That's a billion with a B. That's $2,300 billion. It's a lot of money. Uh, he's either the most uh, successful investor mm-hmm. in the entire world mm-hmm. on his salary of $5,000 a month, or he was collecting bribes left, right, and center. And, of course, he was. He was, he was collecting bribes. So all of the senior officials have bag men in their families. They have a brother or a son or a daughter that the the people know that if you want to get the leader, whether he be Hu Jintao or Jiang Zemin or, or Xi Jinping, to do something for your company or your province, uh, you go to his bag man, uh, you offer him a huge bribe or part of the company, you know, that's, that's even better. Uh, you offer him shares of stock in the company and then you get the government, you get the leader uh, to enact a policy that benefits you. That goes on all the time in China. In fact, that's the way business gets done. It's about 25% of the money that goes in China winds up in the pockets of political leaders. So Wall Street goes in and invests a company in a company, $500 million. Uh, a quarter of that or more is going to wind up in the pockets of, of senior leaders. Wow, with that kind of track record, he could uh, easily run for office in America. I mean, good grief. That's, that's <laughs> well, impressive. 
you can see why they 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 consider us to be a money bags democracy and think that uh, as one senior official said we offer the americans one bag of money uh if that's not enough we offer them two or three and this is on video and the audience just laughs because they know that he's telling the truth yeah for sure i mean look at apple cooperating with with the CCP right now, shutting down AirDrop and and uh, allowing the government there. I mean, what was it? So Cisco Systems uh, sold them gear so that and taught them how to build their own firewall, their own uh, infrastructure to uh, manipulate their people. So the West has been cozying up for a long time. Um, now, uh, Jiang Zemin, he he's an interesting character too. He's had some pretty odd behavior in front of on the world stage. He's uh, I guess he was fond of karaoke was one of his things. He he would act uh, strange in weird ways in front of heads of state. Can you speak to that? <laughs> well, uh, he was trying to be another Chairman Mao, uh, another Deng Xiaoping. He was trying to be a major figure on the world stage. He would occasionally uh, break out in song. Uh, he would lot often throw English words into his sentences. He wasn't fluent in English, but he would throw an English phrase in here or there to try to impress his uh, his Chinese audiences at home. But all of these guys, I mean, look, the role model for the leader of the Chinese Communist Party is Mao Zedong. Now, Mao Zedong happens to be one of the greatest mass murderers in human history. So that's a very bad role model, you know, if you're concerned about human rights. But they all want to be the next Mao Zedong. That's why uh, Jiang Zemin did not want to leave office uh, after 10 years. Deng Xiaoping had said, okay, you, you know, everybody from now on serves 10 years. We don't want another Mao Zedong in office. It took they practically had to carry him out of the yeah. uh, the head of the Central Committee of the Chinese Communist Party. He refused to give up the leadership of the military commission for several years, by the way. Uh, his his successor, who was supposed to be in charge of the military commission, the Chinese Communist Party, and the government all in one. Well, guess what? Uh, who couldn't take the chairmanship of the military commission because his predecessor wouldn't give it up, said to who you can't talk to anybody above a two-star general. The three-star generals and four-star generals are all loyal to me. Um, so that's the kind of games that they play. Yeah, I've heard and seen some reports that even after he was no longer uh, in charge, he was basically calling all the shots from behind the scenes. He was, absolutely. Who was picked because he was kind of a, a low-key a uh, quiet kind of guy that uh, Jiang Zemin thought that he could manipulate. He controlled him pretty well for a few years. And then who thought his big chance had come with the current leader, Xi Jinping? And so he supported Xi. And at the end of the day, though, who got purged, uh, which was why his appearance at Jiang Zemin's funeral was so surprising. Uh, Hu Jintao at the 20th uh, Party Congress just a couple of weeks ago was expecting that three of his guys, three members of his faction that he promoted whose careers he's advanced over the years, were going to be put on the Politburo. When he finally saw the sheet on the final day, uh, Xi Jinping had betrayed him. None of his guys were advanced. They were all, everybody on the standing committee, everybody in the Politburo, everybody at the top of the Chinese Communist Party is now mm. a follower of Xi Jinping. And Hu Jintao started to protest, and what happened? He was picked up out of his seat, literally physically picked up out of his seat, and led off in disgrace and humiliation in front of the entire Central Committee of the Chinese Communist Party. He reemerged at the funeral the other day, as you mentioned, but he had a bodyguard with him at all times, a big, tall, husky guy, <laughs> I think, who was there to make sure that he didn't misbehave. Wow. Yeah, well, he wasn't there to protect him. He was there to, to ensure. He was there to protect the state. He was there to protect Xi Jinping. Wow. He was there to make sure that uh, Hu Jintao 
did not speak out of turn. Interesting. It's kind of, you know, I'm having, uh, having flashbacks to the latest version of Dune, which uh, I think their second movie is due out next year or something like that. Uh, this intrigue between these houses, sort of uh, pretending to get along and then backbiting and fighting each other. Xi Jinping, his main rivalry is the uh, the Shanghai faction, which uh, Ximin is the head of or was the head of. So he has very skillfully, some would say, craftily uh, sort of purged uh, these faction members out. But at the same time, he never seemed to directly take steps against Jiang Zemin, did he? Well, uh, he did, he, he did, and he didn't, uh, because back after uh, Xi Jinping had taken power and Jiang Zemin was a younger and more vigorous man, uh, he was starting to threaten uh, Jiang Zemin's sons uh, to investigate them for corruption. You see, that's what he was doing for the last ten years. Xi Jinping, if he didn't like someone, if someone was not a member of his faction. He would say, you're corrupt, and he would send in the anti-corruption investigators, and they would arrest the guy and put him in prison, uh, perhaps torture him and kill him. If he was a high-ranking official, they'd just remove him from office, kick him out of the party, and put him in jail for life. Now, hundreds of thousands of officials were arrested for corruption charges. Wow. I dare say you could arrest all officials in China on corruption charges. Hmm. There are very few whose hands are clean. And the strange thing is, not so strange if you understand Chinese politics, is that the actual followers of Xi Jinping were protected. They were corrupt, but they were never arrested for corruption. This was a purge by another name. And Zhang Zeming's people back in 2013-2014, after Xi, Xi Jinping had taken power, uh, began to be purged. And, and Jiang Zemin looked like he was going to go to the, to the, to the mattresses to, to fight. Uh, he made a tour in, in Hainan saying, I'm coming back. And uh, I think they reached a kind of living arrangement for the next few years. Oh, wow. But, uh, boy, this uh, Xi Jinping is quite a maneuver. And, of course, there are now bust statues uh, pictures of Xi Jinping all over the walls in China. Xi Jinping's uh, little white book, not the little red book, that's Mao. Little white book has been published. All the kids in China are reading it. You've got to have a Xi Jinping app on your phone and study it every day. You've got to sing the praises of Xi Jinping. Uh, now he's the new Mao. There's a new high-tech cultural revolution in China underway right now. And that's why the demonstrations are happening. In part, it's not just COVID. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that Chinese people don't want to go back to the days of Chairman Mao, which is exactly where the current leader, Xi Jinping, is taking them. Now, I've seen also articles talk about how uh, how much the CCP was able to organize against the, uh, uh, the, the Uyghur Muslims, creating these camps, organ harvesting, and all the rest, because they had so much experience under Jiang Zemin, who persecuted Falun Gong, which we talked about in the last segment. There are great reports that he began the the organ harvesting business for China in his persecution. Can you uh, weigh in on that? Yeah, absolutely. Organ harvesting in China is a huge business. Uh, I think it's around $10 billion a year wow. in total revenue. That's a lot of money. Uh, some of the money comes from uh, inside China, but much of it comes from foreigners uh, from Europe, from the Middle East, from other parts of the world, who want a new heart, a new kidney, a new liver, new corneas, and can get them on demand from China at a very low price. And guess what? You can order your heart or your liver or your kidney in advance. You don't go to China and wait for someone who's a tissue match to die. You go to China knowing that on, say, November 19th at 8 a.m., you will get a tissue match 
heart that can be implanted in your chest. And the only way that can happen is by forced organ harvesting. And, and how it's done is you tissue type everybody who goes to prison. And when someone wants a heart and there's someone in prison who's a match, guess what? Suddenly that person is executed, his organs are harvested, and voila, you get your heart uh, and you go away. And the guy, uh, of course, is killed and, and uh, now is uh, either you know, cremated or buried. Well, they built huge camps in, in western China in what we call Xinjiang, right? Uh, eastern Turkestan, where the Uyghurs live. Next to those camps, they built cemeteries. In the, in the airports next to the camps in the cities, they had green lanes where the organ harvesters could take their chilled organs, which had just been harvested from freshly killed prisoners, directly on the flights without waiting in line. You know, you don't have any time to waste when you're dealing with fresh organs. You can't let them get, uh, get warm or they're spoiled. They got right on the plane and, and took them to the major cities where they were transplanted into uh, the bodies of people willing to pay, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars for a heart or $150,000 for a lung, $75,000 for a kidney, and so on and so forth. This is a big business in China. It's a business that involves um, the direct killing of, of innocent people. Wow. Absolutely insane. We're just about out of time, though. College you is the, the crazy and terrible reputation of Jiang Zemin uh, and China seems to be worse and worse. President of Population Research Institute, Stephen Mosier, author of many books, to include A Mother's Ordeal, One Woman's Fight Against China's One-Child Policy. Find more information about him at pop.org. Stephen, God bless you. God love you. Thank you for your time today. God bless you. Thank you. All right, coming up in the next hour, if you are able to join us, Hector Molina, The Game Show, The After Show, and so much more. Otherwise, we'll see you back here tomorrow, but you can always hang out at grnonline.com. Hey, Donnie, when we see Christ on the cross, what do we call that? A crucifix. And who said, preach Christ and Him crucified? St. Paul. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Father John Bartunik, in his book, The Better Part, wrote, Gratitude is one of the most beautiful flowers in the whole garden of virtues. It directly contradicts self-centeredness, self-indulgence, and self-absorption. It builds bridges, unites communities, and softens hearts. It encourages and inspires. It cuts through discouragement and counteracts depression. It opens the soul to the truth and releases anxiety. It brings smiles and gladness wherever it blooms. What a pity that it is as rare as it is lovely. When was the last time you were truly grateful to our Lord for the spouse He has given to you? When was the last time that you told your spouse you are very grateful for him or her? Gratitude goes a long way in healing wounds. Give it a try. Go home today and tell your spouse how grateful to God you are that he or she married you. This has been a minute for your marriage and family from the Three Hearts Institute. You can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I turned from a recreational drug user to a drug addict. That took me to my knees. I lost a family, almost two families. I lost friends. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person, I love it. I love it, my heart's there. I took communion after 18 years, and I, the rest of the Mass I sat and cried. God restored my life. God restored my family. 
God restored my love. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox, goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. Howdy, my name is Adrian Fonseca. I'm a parishioner at St. Luke's the Evangelist Catholic Church, and this is AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. No, we're not going to be scaring you, but you might learn something. You might have a good time, and you could win prizes. And so all you have to do is be the caller when I give you the phone number. First caller gets to play the game. It's always a good time. I encourage you to try it if you've never done it before. Uh, trust me, it's fun. And you could win some cool prizes. And I'll give you that phone number at 15 past the hour. So be ready. Be on standby. And uh, if you really want to hedge your bet, if you want to get in ahead of time, you're certainly welcome to. You can sit on hold if you want. Uh, all you got to do is go to the uh, the website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, the uh, all the rules are right there, plus the phone number is right there as well. Again, that's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Uh, so much to uh, to decompress about the, the Stephen Mosher conversation on China just a minute ago. Whew, my organs hurt after that little just segment. Just thinking about there. it? Yeah. Oh, man. It's, you know, it's hard to wrap that's your gnarly. head it's around really a state-run program that runs that efficiently to run $10 billion a year in revenue. Diabolically. Absolutely insane. This is why ISIS, the uh, the caliphate, remember that? Yeah. They're, uh, they're trying to get their their way back. Well, well, yeah, no one's stopping them anymore. But uh, remember, they were doing this. This is what they were, this was their big thing. Not only did they try to control oil resources in the countries in which they were uh, occupying, mm-hmm. but they would take these people and uh, do the organ harvesting thing and sell their organs on the black market. That's how they raise money for their caliphate. Yeah. Pretty insane. By the way, in the last hour, we discussed that story uh, out of Charlotte, mm-hmm. and you talked about the power outages. You've got the details? I've confirmed the details. So okay. it's, it's, it is a rumor, but I'll, I'll say it anyway because people are talking about it. Yeah. <clears> it was reported as rumor, fact yesterday. Well, it, it did happen, okay. but the intention behind so, shooting the power plants okay, is a rumor. So just for so, clarity's sake, someone shot up, up a power plant there. Yes, okay. and so people were without power. The rumor is that it was people shooting the power grid mm-hmm. to stop power from being uh, distributed to a drag show, which, if really? you think about it, is kind of cool, but at the same time, not really. Wow. <laughs> There's better ways to stop it. It's, it's, a, it's a deep <laughs> hole. It just gets worse <laughs> as we go. There's better ways to yeah, stop a drag show. Well, like, send the TFP out I there. I highly doubt that that's what happened. I do I think that's, somehow, a that's, that's a psyop. That's a psyop. Somehow rumor. I'm they, thinking. The leftist media is coming out, and they're mm-hmm. saying this because they're trying to make right-wingers look bad. There is no evidence that it was done by a right-winger. Which is why, Adrian, I mentioned it was a rumor. Hey, yeah, by the way, by the way, no so chance. today is uh, St. Nicholas's Feast Day. We've been talking about that so far on the show. At what point, at what point in the history of of celebrating St. Nicholas's Feast Day did we go from gold 
to chocolate with a gold tinfoil on top. When you like, couldn't afford gold? Hello? Dang. Like, uh, can we... When I, did we lose the gold standard? I am a... Tra- That's when it happened. I'm a traditionalist Catholic, so <laughs> can we go back to the tradition of gold? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, the, money bags, send the, me some. I mean, I can, once you provide the gold, I will go buy my own chocolate. Okay, this whole modernist, <laughs> no, no, you're providing this whole modernist the gold. thing about putting chocolate in the shoe instead of gold seems seems I not agree. in keeping with Saint Nicholas. I agree. What Where's about oranges? Do you ever hear about oranges and shoes too? Like, yeah. where'd that come from? Or don't tell Jesus Robles I said this, but he also is favorable to pawn shops. Oh, I'm just saying, just putting that out there. What if you got chocolate that had gold foil on it, like, like actual like gold? gold foil, not like. Aluminum. Okay, but that's like when you go to Walmart. Like I was in Alaska, and you go to Walmart, and you uh, you can buy because it's a gold rush date. You can buy in Walmart these little <laughs> these little ball, glass balls filled with water vial. that have like tiny little flakes of gold floating about them. So it's not you know it's like I don't know. It's like, worth thirty cents. Yeah, or so. it's <laughs> worth like a dollar. I mean, it's worth nothing. But uh, you're like I got gold. I got Alaska gold. Oh, but uh, it'd be kind of like that. So no, I think. That the, we should just put gold bars in the shoes and let the person who receives the gift, you know, spend it. Good idea. On chocolate or what, or oranges or whatever else that uh, you know suits their fans. Good a idea. Bar of gold. Yeah. How much is a bar of gold anyway? I don't Let's know. take a look. I don't know. Crypto is probably less than a bar of gold these days. I don't even know what an ounce of gold goes for. But uh, if you have celebrated. Uh, St. Nicholas Feast Day this morning by, uh, you know, inserting chocolate into the shoes. It's almost 60 grand for a kilo. Is it really? Yeah. It'd be bar gold right there. That's worth, that is worth more than, than crypto. That's a lot of Big chocolate. Point. That's a lot of chocolate right there. Anyway, praise be to God. Good morning to you, Hector Molina, joining us by phone right now. Good morning, Joe. Hey, do you guys celebrate uh, St. Nicholas's Feast Day? We do. My kids are giddy this morning. How about yours? Well, they're probably still asleep, to be honest with you. But uh, <laughs> now, are you a uh, are you a traditionalist or a modernist? Do you put chocolate in the shoe or actual gold in the shoe? Listen, uh, I, I don't half step it. Uh, <laughs> actual fake gold in the shoes um, because I don't I don't tinker around. I mean, St. Nick is pretty. Uh, <laughs> It's pretty important in my head. It's baller right there. It's base. I want to go to the Molina household. I want. Can you adopt? I'm just curious. <laughs> I, I do dishes. I'm just saying. Uh, just not at my house. But nonetheless, <laughs> praise be to God. Hey, uh, let's talk about the gospel reading. Uh, last Sunday, uh, you know, the question was asked by John through his disciples, who is Jesus? This week, it's uh, who is John? That's in the gospel coming up, Matthew 11, 2 through 11. Hector, what do you say? Yeah, well, it's interesting. You actually have two questions being asked in this gospel. John, at this point in time, is in prison for preaching the truth of the gospel. He got into pretty hot water with Herod because of Herod's uh, adulterous uh, situation. And as a consequence, John was arrested. And from prison, we're told, He hears about the deeds of Christ, basically the signs and the wonders, the preaching, the ministry of our blessed Lord, and he sends word to Jesus vis-a-vis his disciples, asking him, are you he who is to come, or shall we look for another? And this is a, a pretty 
controversial question, and I've heard a number of homilists over the years, I don't know if you have, um, really sadly get this wrong and somehow intuit from this question that somehow John is, is doubtful of the identity of Jesus. And that's problematic because that really does oh, yeah. not square no. with the Gospels. It does not square with sacred scripture. Um, I love what St. Francis de Sales uh, says about this in his commentary. He says, there is no doubt that he knew that the one who was, the one to whom he sent his envoys was truly the Messiah. Yeah. For he knew him, he knew him while he was still in his mother's womb. And there is no saint with a more penetrating knowledge. I love this of the mystery of the incarnation than this glorious Saint John. So there's no doubt that John was a believer, a true believer. He was the precursor of our blessed Lord, the forerunner who came to announce the coming of the Messiah. And so he knew Jesus from his mother's womb when he received the Holy Spirit at the visitation. And so this does not square with scripture. So he's sending his envoys with this question, well, why does he do it? What's the motivation? Well, fundamentally, we do not always ask questions to learn something or because we're ignorant of what we ask. He's sending his envoys, not because he's doubtful, but because he wants his envoys, his disciples, John's disciples, to experience and to encounter Jesus for themselves. Mm. And this is significant, my friends, because he is leading his disciples who've been with him for years, who revere him for the iconic prophet that he was. I mean, there have been hundreds of years with, with no true prophets in Israel. And here comes John the Baptist, and there's no doubt that the disciples were attached to him and revered him and saw him as a truly holy man of God. And in order to remedy this attachment, because John knew that the curtain was closing on his life, he sends these disciples to go to Jesus because the disciples were struggling, <laughs> struggling with what was happening. Their master was in prison. What's going to happen? Is this all over? And Jesus, I mean, John once again points to Jesus. <laughs> and in essence, he fulfills what he declares in John 3.30, which is, he must increase and I must decrease. Yeah. And he points them to Jesus as he did on the banks of the Jordan. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And they go and they inquire. And I love what Jesus declares here. He says, well, in answer to their question, he says, go and tell John what you hear and see. He begins to, and we're going to find this in our first reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah 35. He says, the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear. The lepers are cleansed, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the good news preached to them. He's pointing back to the prophecies of the Old Testament. He says, the proof is in the pudding. Look at what is unfolding. The kingdom of God is breaking into the world. And so see for yourselves. And they encounter Jesus. And we as, as Catholic Christians believe that the ground of Christianity is the encounter with Jesus Christ, which transforms us. And so they encounter Jesus for themselves, and then they, they leave to return to John to share this experience, this good news. And then Jesus turns around, and as you began with your, your comment there, he asks a question. Who is John? Yeah. John asks, who is Jesus? Jesus returns the question. 
Who is John? Is he this reed that's blowing in the wind? <laughs> is he this, 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 uh, this kingly figure that is, that is robed in all finery, alluding to Herod in his palace? No, he was in prison. John was imprisoned for the sake of the gospel. He was a rock, a pillar, a true prophet. So he reveals the identity of John, and furthermore, he compliments John, saying that he is the greatest born among women, that he is the greatest figure. Also, he's the ultimate prophet. And so here we have these two figures. You have the new Elijah, and you have the new Elisha. And these two figures are, are just, they're, they're wonderful testaments to what came before. John was the forerunner of Christ. He was the new Elijah that was promised by the prophets to return to usher in the age of the Messiah. Jesus is the great miracle worker, the wonder worker, the, the Elisha, so to speak, the new Moses who's bringing about a new exodus. I mean, this, this passage here is this chock full of yeah. significance and meaning for us as we contemplate the meaning of this Advent season. Yeah, I did a video on this uh, last week, actually. Uh, you, The early church fathers were very, very clear. St. Jerome, St. Gregory the Great, St. Hilary, they all spoke that, uh, no, do not interpret this as some as some doubt on the behalf of of John, and uh, and there was some great, interesting commentary on this, but Cornelius Elapidae, I think he is like the, the sledgehammer here on this. He says, yeah. quote, So Jesus, as it were, said, Suppose not, O ye Jews, that John thinks any other of me than he thought before. For John is not a reed to be shaken backwards and forwards by the wind, that he should lightly assert a thing and afterwards retract it on account of what men say. John is like an oak, which stands unmoved in faith and steadfastness against every blast, whether of those who praise or those who blame. What he before testified of me when he was at liberty. He testifies with equal fortitude now that he has been shut up by Herod in prison. And he has seen he has sent his disciples to me that they themselves may see by my miracles that his testimony concerning me was true. Close quote Cornelius Lapidate. That's some pretty good stuff right there. Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. And uh Cornelius, he's he's one of my favorite commentators on the scriptures, just absolute gold. And in addition to that, you look at the likes of Chrysostom, and as you mentioned, Hilary of Potier and the other church fathers, uh, they're unanimous in their testimony. No, we cannot for one moment question the faith, the belief of John the Baptist. The scripture is clear about that. But what he's doing is he's inducing his disciples to discover Christ for themselves. And there's a lesson in that for us as evangelizers. We are not meant to merely speak of Jesus, but we are to literally point the way so that others might encounter him. And, and that holds true for this Advent season, a season that has been dominated by what? Commercialism and consumerism and materialism. We are the ones who must point out to those around us that Jesus is the reason for the season that Jesus is the one whom we are to pursue and that we are to prepare our hearts to receive the Savior, to make of our hearts a, a manger in order to receive the Christ child born anew in us. Amen. Praise be to God. Hector Molina. Go to HectorMolina.com. 
To get all the latest information, his podcast, speaking engagements, and so much more, HectorMolina.com. Hector, God bless you, my friend. God love you. And uh, thanks for being on with us today. All right. It's time to play our game show, Fear and Trembling. If you would like to possibly win some prizes, call right now, 877-757-9424. That phone number is 877-757-9424. In Romans chapter 3, it says that none is righteous and that all have sinned. But the Catholic Church teaches that Mary is without sin. How can that be? Romans 3 verse 10 says, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. Yet James 5.16 says that the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If absolutely no one is righteous, then who is James talking about? Luke chapter 1 says that Elizabeth and Zechariah were righteous before God. If absolutely no one is righteous, then how can that be? Is scripture contradicting itself? No, the folks who interpret Romans as saying absolutely without exception, no one is righteous, are misinterpreting that passage. They are failing to realize that the key to understanding Romans 3.10 is the phrase, it is written. Here in Romans, Paul is quoting from the Old Testament, Psalm 14 to be exact. In Psalm 14, it says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. There is none that does good. But then that same psalm goes on to talk about the righteous. Well, if none has done good, who are the righteous people the psalm is talking about? Obviously, when the psalmist says that none is good, he is talking about the fools who say there is no God. He is not talking about absolutely everyone. Just so Paul, when he quotes from the psalm. Paul is not saying absolutely no one is righteous. If he was, then how do you explain all the Old and New Testament passages that refer to the righteous? In Romans 3.11, it says that no one seeks for God. Does that mean that absolutely no one is seeking God? No, to interpret it that way would be ludicrous. Just so, verse 23, which says that all have sinned. Babies haven't sinned, have they? Little children haven't sinned, have they? No, this is not an absolute. There are exceptions. So it is perfectly legitimate to say that these passages from Romans, when interpreted in context, in no way conflict with the church's teaching on Mary being without sin. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, a Catholic <laughs> trivia game show. Stop laughing. With secrets and agendas. But what we need most, more than me just telling you all the secret sauce, is a call on the line. First call that gets to play the game. All you got to do is pick up the phone and dial 877-757-9424. And you get to play the game with us, possibly win some prizes. 877-757-9424 is the phone number. Adrian Fonseca standing by to take your call at 877-757-9424. It's all easy question Tuesday today at 877-757-9424. But there are a few things we do on the down low, the back end, on on the QT. Number one, we like to teach the faith, so we look for teachable moments in the questions where you could learn something you didn't know before, praise be to God. Although, I don't know that you're going to learn anything today. I'm going to be honest with you. It's pretty straightforward 
okay, one thing. You're going to learn one thing today. Who picks these questions? <laughs> that guy. And then, of course, uh, we like to have a laugh, a chuckle, a good time. And our callers are actually amazing. They laugh with us, and uh, they even laugh at our jokes, which is even better. That's good <laughs> charity right there. And then we give out prizes, which means this is a complete winner for everybody involved because you can learn, laugh, or win, and sometimes all three, and that makes it cool. But the secret sauce is I do not ask the caller the questions. They don't need to know. They don't have to get any of these correct, but could still win our game, and that's because instead of asking them, I shall ask Adrian and I shall ask Rudy, one of which will be correct, the other will be incorrect. The caller will then have 15 seconds to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And then uh, if they get that right, they go into the coffee cup and drop a divine providence to win this week's prize. What could they win, Rudy? Praise be to God. This week we're, we're going to be giving away a book, which is the Bella Dodd book we've been talking about here oh, on yeah. Catholic Drive Time so with uh, Dr. Ken Gore. So good. If you miss those episodes, you can go onto our YouTube channel mm-hmm. and type in Paul mm-hmm. Kengor or Kengor, Bella Dodd, any of those combinations. You'll see the videos we just did and you'll get to answer that question. Who was Bella Dodd? Did she infiltrate seminaries all over the United States with communist Marxist spies? It's a great book. We're going to be giving it away, published by Tan Books. And you have a pretty good chance of getting it this week since mm-hmm. we're going to be off on Thursday for a Holy Day of Obligation. It, uh, it's the definitive book, I would say. Yeah, it's pretty good. Because like, it's a hotly There's contested nothing like it. debate over Bella Dodd. Mm-hmm. And this is the most well-referenced, sourced book on the subject. Amen. I think. So. Thanks be to God. Yeah. Just imagine all the hot contested uh, debates you'll have at Christmas time with your family over Bella Dodd, but you'll be armed with the information. <laughs> It'll be so good. <laughs> good conversation. Or does that right only there. happen at the Fonseca residence? Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's go to the phones. Good morning to you, uh, Marth. Good morning. It's Martha. Martha, how are you? I'm doing good. Thank you. Praise be to God, Martha. Thanks for calling in today. Uh, where are you calling from? I'm calling. I'm driving to work. Driving, driving to work in Houston. Better you than me, Martha. Because uh, <laughs> have you? Did you know Houston traffic is horrible, and you went out anyway? Yes, every day. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. I don't know. I don't know. Where do you go to church? Uh, Saint Augustine. Saint Augustine. Well. Martha, we are glad you are here. Praise be to God. And I'm sure uh, since you're sitting in traffic, you're like, I got nothing better to do. Uh, but uh, are you familiar with the rules? Do you know how the game works? Yes, I love it. Okay, good. Well, we're glad you're here. Then you you should know uh, Rudy decided to put his uh, coat back on today. He was been wearing this rich man right. winter thing all week. But <laughs> uh, I think he wanted to be like the rest of us today. So he... Put his uh, coat back on, but still no tie. So you're really going to have to uh, correlate okay. that information to your advantage, Martha. But we're going to start with Rudy Carlos All first. Right. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Are you? Uh, you're looking very dapper. Thank you very much. Uh, very, uh, very Thank pro you. level. Thank you. It's uh, mm-hmm. my best fitting suit. Unfortunately, it's uh, polyester, synthetic <laughs> material. So. <laughs> Kind of heretical, like, really. Like I said, you wanted to be like the rest of us. Okay. <laughs> are you ready to play, Rudy? I am ready. Are you sure? I'm ready. Uh-huh. I've heard this before, but are you really sure? Are you going to break me one day? Like, you're mm. just going to make me tell you the truth <laughs> yes. that I am ready? Yes. Uh, someday. Someday. So, all right, Rudy. Let's start with an easy one. Okay. Okay. 
This is a topic we've covered extensively on the program. So we did. We talked about it yesterday. You should know this, but could you tell me who is the patron saint of pawn brokers? Pawn brokers. Yes, it was a fella by the name of Saint Poli Chicho Robles. Uh, what? He's from Mexico. Are you being serious? Yeah, 100%. That's actually where the pawn trade like, uh, took off. It was in Mexico. What? Mind blown. Mind blown. The Policicho? Poli Saint Policicho Robles. Uh, peace be upon him. <laughs> All right. Saint Policicho Robles. Some think he's a the patron saint of DJs, but actually it's pawnbrokers. Okay. All right. Well, uh, let's see here. Adrian, uh, have you ever been in a pawn shop ever in your entire life? Have I ever been in a pawn shop? Have you yes. darkened the door of a pawn shop? I have. You have? I have. Fascinating. I would not have guessed. Uh, could you tell me, who is the patron saint of pawn brokers? Uh, who is the patron saint of pawn brokers? Mm -hmm. That would be mm -hmm. Saint Nicholas. What, come on. Yep. The guy in Greece? Mm -hmm. The guy in Greece. I guess, <laughs> yes. I mean, I guess technically... Mm -hmm. I guess or it wasn't Turkey. Really, yeah, it wasn't really Greece. I guess it's modern day yeah, Turkey. Modern day Dis Turkey. But in his day, it was considered Greece. Well, there you go. Should we make Greece great again? I'm just curious. Greece uh, uh, hasn't been great in about 2,000 years. <laughs> Maybe maybe twenty five hundred years. All right. So, so you're 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 just gonna go with Saint Nicholas. I'm gonna go with Saint Nicholas. Is it because it's his feast day? Or? I don't know. Maybe. Okay. All right, uh, Martha in Houston traffic. <laughs> you got options here. Uh, who is the patron saint of pawn brokers? Adrian says it's Saint Nicholas, whose feast day it is. Uh, but Rudy says it's Saint Polachicho Robles. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? <laughs> Arthur, what say you? I will go with Adrian. You don't even have to go Way to go, Martha. Martha, you should Going with your fellow Houstonian, because I'm the only Houstonian in this office. I mean, of course you are correct. I mean, it is. You are also wiser. St. Nicholas. You're smarter. One should Younger. All these things happen when you go with Adrian. caution when having to admit Adrian is correct it's, publicly. It's the science. Trust the science. One should not be so straightforward and confident in saying Adrian is correct. I mean, pfft. imagine what will happen to his ego. It's uh, too late. Nonetheless. This is all what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> nonetheless, Adrian is correct. It is St. Nicholas. All right. Congratulations. You're in the cup. You could win. Let's go with a harder question here. Back to Adrian. Adrian. Uh, you, sir, are known for your expertise on classifications of uh, things like movies. Mm. Uh, you are very strict, from what I understand. Mm -hmm. Could you tell mm -hmm. me who may attend movies classified with an A, or as we would say in the military, an Alpha One rating? Well, see, this gets a little complicated because my PhD is mm -hmm. actually in, mm -hmm. in classifications. What? But I was uh, a little confused, and I thought classifications were was getting a PhD on classes. Oh, I see. So I, I know all That's about awkward. classes. Yeah. <laughs> Super It's awkward. a little weird, but it's what ended up happening. <laughs> like, I just don't want a job. How do I keep so, going to school? Who may attend movies classified mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. A1? Yes, please. Well, nobody. What? Nobody can. Interesting. Uh-huh. Okay. Seems like that would be like a Z one. All right. Rudy, could you tell me who may attend movies classified with an Alpha One rating? Only the people who take their steak well done. Ooh. Just kidding. It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't exist, A1 does sauce. Anyway. Ugh. All ages. Uh, I see. All ages You're can going... go to A1 classified movies. All right, Martha. Rudy says 
Everyone can go if the movie is classified with an A1 rating from the USCCB 50 years ago. Uh, But Adrian says nobody can go with an A1 rating. 15 seconds on the clock. Is it nobody or is it everybody? Martha, what say you? It's everybody. Rudy. Whoa! (laughs) Martha. I think you're revealing your cards there, Martha. Martha, Martha, Martha. Don't play poker with Martha. She is a shark. She got it. That was a hard, hard one. All right. We're going to up the ante then. We're going to go all in, Uh-oh. Martha, with this next question. We've got to hurry now, though. We're out of time. What were the five classifications given to rate movies by the Legion of Decency, Rudy? Well, those are what, know, what are known as A1, A2, A3, B, and C. We're just going to go down the line like that. Yeah. All right. Adrian, what say you, sir? Yeah, that's PG, G, PG-13, R, and X-rated. R. Kind of like the Father Stew movie. Oh, well. Got it. Did okay. they make that PG-13 <laughs> Martha, Martha, what say you? Is Adrian correct with the PGG and R's, or is it is it Rudy with A1, A2, A3, B, and C? I think it's Rudy. Wow. So wise. Martha, so wise. Ne- I would never have gotten that right. That hasn't even been in existence I know. for 50 years. She got three for three. Wow. That's just Impressed. impressive. <laughs> Crazy to guy. What you just got time sitting in traffic? So you're just googling all the answers. I don't she know. she remembers. That's that's amazing, <laughs> Martha. You're amazing. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us today and laughing with us. We really enjoyed having you on. Don't go anywhere though, Martha. I mean, you're sitting in traffic, so you can't. But be on hold. We're gonna get your info. God love you, Martha. Thank you. All right, we're gonna go into the after show and uh, talk more about your boy Saint Nick. More than just a guy who slaps people. All that and more. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass, live from Our Lady of Corpus Christi, home of the SALT community. For more information, visit salt.net or ourladyofcorpuschristi.org. Today we celebrate Tuesday of the second week of Advent. This holy sacrifice of the Mass is being offered for all those listening in on the Guadalupe Radio Network and all of our online viewers. Please join in singing our opening song, Savior of the Nations Come. Savior of the nations come, Virgin Son, make her thy home. Marvel now, O heaven and earth, that the Lord chose such a birth not by human flesh and blood 
By the Spirit of our God was the Word of God made flesh, woman's offspring, pure and fresh. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Today we celebrate the memorial of a saint you may never have heard of. Just kidding. Today we celebrate the memorial of Saint Nicholas, who lived in the 200s and 300s in what is now southwest Turkey. It is said that he grew up with wealthy Christian parents of Greek origin, that he was ordained a priest by his uncle who was a nearby bishop, that after his parents died he distributed their wealth to the poor, that he made a pilgrimage to the Holy Land and after returning was chosen as the next Bishop of Myra, right near where he had lived. That during his time as a bishop, he was imprisoned for a during a time of persecution. That he participated in the Council of Nicaea, defending the divinity of Christ. That through him, the Lord worked many, many miracles, so he's sometimes known as Saint Nicholas, the Wonder Worker. His earthly life came to an end on this day in the year 343. St. Nicholas is known as, in Dutch as St. Nicholas or Sinterklaas, which became Americanized as Santa Claus. Brethren, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. You were sent to heal the contrite of heart. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. You came to call sinners. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. You are seated at the right hand of the Father to intercede for us. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Let us pray. We humbly implore your mercy, Lord. Protect us in all dangers through the prayers of the Bishop St. Nicholas that the way of salvation may lie open before us. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Comfort, give comfort to my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her service is at an end, her guilt is expiated. Indeed, she has received from the hand of the Lord double for all her sins. A voice cries out, in the desert prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the wasteland a highway for our God. Every valley shall be filled in, Every mountain and hill shall be made low. The rugged land shall be made a plain, the rough country a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry out. I answer, What shall I cry out? All flesh is grass, and all their glory like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower wilts, when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. So then the people is the grass, though the grass withers and the flower wilts, 
The word of our God stands forever. Go up onto a high mountain, Zion, herald of glad tidings. Cry out at the top of your voice, Jerusalem, herald of good news. Fear not to cry out and say to the cities of Judah, Here is your God. Here comes with power the Lord God, who rules by his strong arm. Here is his reward with him, his recompense before him. Like a shepherd, he feeds his flock. In his arms he gathers the lambs, carrying them in his bosom and leading the ewes with care. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord our God comes with power. The Lord our God comes with power. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all you lands. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Announce his salvation day after day. The Lord, the Lord our God, God comes, comes with, with power. Tell his glory among the nations, among all peoples his wondrous deeds. Say among the nations, the Lord is king. He governs the peoples with equity. The, the Lord, Lord our God, God comes, comes with power. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea and what fills it resound. Let the plains be joyful and all that is in them. Then let all the trees of the forest rejoice. The Lord our God comes with power. They shall exult before the Lord, for he comes. For he comes to rule the earth. He shall rule the world with justice and the peoples with his constancy. The Lord our God comes with power. Alleluia, alleluia. reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, What is your opinion? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, will he not leave the ninety-nine in the hills and go in search of the stray? And if he finds it, amen, I say to you, he rejoices more over it than over the ninety-nine that did not stray. In just the same way, it is not the will of your heavenly Father that one of these little ones be lost. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Comfort ye. Comfort ye, my people, saith your God, saith your God. Every valley shall be exalted, the crooked straight and the rough places plain. And the glory, glory of the Lord 
shall be he revealed, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken is. O thou that tellest good tidings to Zion, lift up thy voice, lift it up, be not afraid. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd, and he shall gather the lambs with his arm, the lambs with his arm. I wonder if you were hearing that during the first reading. Probably better than I sang it just now. I certainly was. Because from this first reading, which comes from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 40, comes five of the movements from Handel's Messiah. And how appropriately. Because this reading certainly fulfills the purposes of the readings during this first phase of Advent, which is to stir up our desire for the second coming of the Lord. These words were first spoken to speak of the return from the Babylonian exile, a return that surely those who experienced the exile would hardly believe possible as they experienced year after year and decades of being far from their, from their land, from their people. But the Lord was telling Isaiah to proclaim this to them, that it would occur, that by his power, that by his love, he would make it possible. They would indeed return, that indeed he would facilitate the journey Mountains made flat, valleys filled in, it would be easy. That he would lead them like a shepherd. That the powers they had known would not stand in their way, but would wilt away. And so Isaiah was told to speak tenderly to them and to cry out this good news that the Lord was coming. This is a promise of what the Messiah fulfills. We know that when our Lord Jesus comes again in his second coming, he will bring it about in a complete way. As in a full way, he will, as a shepherd, come to find us and bring us home. And no one will any longer be alone or cold or afraid or wounded or hungry. But he will bring us home where there'll be no more tears, no more death no need, no evil, but we will be with him, taken care of in every way, with those who love us and whom we love. He'll bring this about. Our second reading from the Gospel reminds us that at his first coming, he brought this about in part. We heard his words about a shepherd leaving behind the 99 to go and find the one who is lost. I'm not sure that a shepherd would do that, an actual human shepherd, but he did. We know in his ministry he reached out to those who felt far from God, far from their fellow human beings, who felt lost, who felt rejected, who felt wounded, and he brought them healing and love and hope. So may you and I this day anyone hearing this feels far away, know that the Lord is that shepherd and that he is seeking you. Perhaps 
You were already next to him and his flock. Maybe you know someone who feels lost and afraid. You can reach out to them. The saint that we celebrate today, St. Nicholas, was famous for this. The most famous story about him, that with his parents' riches, he was aware of a family in which there was a father and three daughters, and they were very poor, no money for the dowry that was necessary for them to marry and to save them from being forced into a life of prostitution. St. Nicholas threw a bag of gold through the window, enough for a dowry, one night secretly, and then a second one, another night, and a third one, another night, reaching out in mercy to those who were lost and afraid, like the shepherd that he would become, to bring them close to the good shepherd. So may you and I do this day. Brothers and sisters, let us pray to our Savior who is near, and let us ask him to hear our prayers and to make himself manifest to all people, that the coming of Christ may always be the only foundation of the hope of the Church. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That the Blessed Virgin Mary, honor of the people of Israel and beginning of the Church, may be for all people the fountain of that salvation that sprang forth from Abraham and through the church is extended to all peoples. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That all those who are tested and suffer may experience during this season of Advent that God comes to their aid. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That all of us may be inflamed with the desire for the coming of Christ and may be able to rejoice in his splendor when he returns at the end of time. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Merciful Father, we ask that you receive the prayers of your people who eagerly await the coming of your Son, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Our offertory song is Like a Shepherd. shepherd he feeds his flock and gathers the lambs in his arms holding them carefully close to his heart leading them home say to the cities of Judah prepare the The mountain top, lift your voice. Jerusalem, here is your God. Like a shepherd, he feeds his flock and gathers the lambs in his arms, holding them carefully close to his heart leading them home like a shepherd he feeds his flock and gathers the lambs in his arms holding them carefully close to his heart 
leading them home. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Be pleased, O Lord, with our humble prayers and offerings. And since we have no merits to plead our cause, come, we pray, to our rescue with the protection of your mercy. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, almighty and eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For he assumed at his first coming the lowliness of human flesh and so fulfilled the design you formed long ago and opened for us the way to eternal salvation that when he comes again in glory and majesty and all is at last made manifest, we who watch for that day may inherit the great promise in which now we dare to hope. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Abaot, plenis uncelli et terra, gloria tua, osana in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, osana, in you are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me.
the mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope and Michael our Bishop and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. On you stay, quit all his peccata mundi, miserere nobis. On you stay, quit all his peccata mundi, Miserere nobis, on you stay, quit olis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem.
Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. The just judge will bestow a crown of righteousness on those who eagerly await his coming. For those who cannot receive sacramental Holy Communion at this time, we pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. O Jesus, we adore Thee, who in Thy love divine conceal Thy mighty Godhead in forms of bread and wine. O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, all praise and all thanksgiving be every moment thine. Let us pray. Replenished by the food of spiritual nourishment, we humbly beseech you, O Lord, that through our partaking in this mystery, you may teach us to judge wisely the things of earth and hold firm to the things of heaven. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks be to God. Oh, the Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace. You're tuned to KSHJ, 